Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome back, everyone. My next guest is Hans Sperling from Sperling Law Corporation in Los Angeles. Hans, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. It's a pleasure to have you here today. We've been talking on the telephone, and uh, what we're going to talk about are some important legal issues for business owners that are planning to sell their business in the future. And that's an area that you're very well versed in. But before we jump into that, I always like to give our listeners a sense of who they're who they're listening to. So give us a little bit about your background, Hans. Sure. Well, first, thanks a lot for having me on, and uh, happy birthday. Oh, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> sure. Um, so I'm a corporate and business deal attorney. I've been doing it about 13 years. Um, I spent some time in Japan, so I've done a lot of international business deals as well, and, and a lot of domestic too. Um, and my clients are usually small and medium-sized businesses, uh, and sometimes big businesses, but usually medium-sized, um, in all kinds of business deals that, uh, that, that a business might have to do, whether it's a commercial lease or setting up their company selling the company, getting investors, whatever. Mm-hmm. So in any area of the law, you're, you're there as a resource for them. And you're, how long ago did you start your firm? I started my own firm about uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I'm kind of a resource for any area. Some areas are highly specialized, and then I, I pull in a lawyer who, who's specialized in that area. But, but for the regular set of transactions that a business would normally do, that's, uh, that's what I focus on. So just a, go, a good go-to resource for exactly. any business owner that says, this might I, I need someone in my court mm-hmm. who's going to handle legal issues that come up from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk to, to Hans Sperling and his law firm. Exactly. Um, and what types of legal issues could a company have that might be a problem when the owner goes to sell it? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple things. One thing is <clears throat> what I call legal maintenance of a company. Um, there's all kinds of, you could say paperwork, and I like to think it's a little bit more complex than that, but there's a lot of things that need to be done and maintained. Um, you have all your contracts that, that should be in good shape and your corporate law things, their securities laws, all these things. Um, and if they're not in shape, it can make it more difficult to sell the company. Um, just like anything else, you know, if, you, if you're selling your car and it's in bad shape, uh, someone's not as interested in buying it. And of course, you have that risk of being sued after if they don't, they, you know, they, they didn't get what they thought they were going to get. Um, that's really where the, the risk comes from, the problems. So from. some kind of a legal audit, maybe, right? Uh, a, a checklist of all the things that you have out there, mm-hmm. even though you might not think it's consequential to the sale, it might make a big difference down the road, right? That's exactly, that's a really good way to put it, a legal audit. Um, Sometimes it's called due diligence. The mm-hmm. buyer and the buyer's lawyer is going to do that on your company before they buy it. There's also they're going to have accountants who could look at the numbers. Um, so what you want to do is, you know, do it yourself first so that you know and you can fix things and, um, you know, correct any resolve any issues then that uh, that'll make it easier uh, when you go to sell. Excellent idea. So uh, if someone's contemplating, let's say in the next two to three years, um, should they do that sooner rather than later? Because do some of these things take time to fix? Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's a great point. Sooner is always better. Um, The first thing to consider is um, 
it could take time just to find a buyer. It depends, you know, what kind of buyer you want and how specific your company is. I know of cases where people have looked for two years to find the right buyer. Uh, so you definitely want to start on that early. That's um, that itself. Finding buyers isn't something that the lawyer would help with. Mm -hmm. But then pretty soon after that, you want to, you know, get into that, start looking, getting your company in shape, um, especially because sometimes there's problems that kind of go back. The sooner you fix them, the, the less of a problem that they are. Um, so, yeah, um, and the more time you give a lawyer, like it's like anything else in life, you know, to do it carefully, to do it right. The more smoothly it goes, the more predictable, the fewer problems. And it is an important transition time for a lot of people, especially our listeners, who are generally over age 50. And they're saying, maybe in the next, I don't know, three to ten years, there are probably some things that I should not do anymore in my business. Maybe there are cleanup things that I have to do. And the legal issues are some of the most complex issues that they need to, to take care of. Mm -hmm. So uh, how would someone... Uh, uh, approach you for something like that. What would be the what? Wh what do you hear from most business owners first on, on approach? Mm -hmm. um, so first, it depends where they are in the process. It's really great if they come to me and they say, um, as as you suggested a minute ago, I'm planning to sell my business in a couple years. Um, you know, what should I do? Where do I get started? And then we can do it in a very kind of slow, calm way. Um, a lot of times they'll come to me. They maybe already have a buyer. Um, sometimes it's a rush transaction for whatever reason. Um, but I think people who have owned their own business probably built it up over decades. Um, you know, this is maybe the biggest transaction of your life. This is maybe your retirement money, too. Um, and you want it to go smoothly. And, you know, why, why, why make it more stressful um, for yourself? But, um, but they'll come and we'll, we'll look through and we'll see what kind of um, what issues exist. Do you get involved with people who have a, an international buyer that approaches them, maybe someone from China that wants to buy a manufacturer over here or something mm -hmm. like that? And how tricky are those kinds of transactions when you're dealing with different language barriers and currencies yeah. and, and terms and all that type of a thing? Yeah, that's an excellent question. That's a lot more common you know, now, especially smaller companies. International transactions used to always be, you know, the IBM and the Chevrons. Now it's everyone. You know, I have companies that are two people who are already doing international deals. Yeah, that introduces a whole new set of issues, um, and we oftentimes are dealing with lawyers in the other country, maybe representing the other side. Um, but, yeah, and there's also special legal issues that can apply to international business deals that are, you know, not exactly the same as a purely domestic deal. There's cultural issues. Um, I've worked with people, obviously, a lot in Japan, but uh, in China, in the, the Middle East, in Europe. So I have a lot of experience um, kind of uh, seeing those issues, hopefully, before they, they really come up and come a problem and try to make it go smoothly for the client. Is there a reason for concern for U.S. say manufacturers that get approached by someone who says, "I want to buy in 20%," and I'm from China, and and uh, is there reasons for concern? Do you have to put on the brakes sometimes because it's very emotional when a buyer gets or a seller rather gets approached by a buyer? It's very emotional. Uh, do you have to pump the brakes sometimes and say, "Hold on a second, because this could be just a way for them to get your trade mm -hmm. secrets and and run away with your 
your yeah. your business. Absolutely. I mean, I think even a domestic transaction, you know, when you kind of see the money, maybe you've been working a long time to find a good buyer. Um, so people want to, you know, strike while the iron's hot. So, you know, a lot of what we do sometimes is saying, well, let's, let's slow down a little bit and make sure we do this right. Um, but with international, as you're saying, there's uh, it's that much more risky. Yeah, they could be trying to get your intellectual property. That's very common. Uh, we protect you from that. Um, and the other thing is, um, if you're manufacturing or you have some technology that might be sensitive, um, and it's not necessarily obvious, not necessarily a missile, um, it could be there's magnets, there's, you know, lasers, sensors, um, all kinds of things you might not think of as being military sensitive. There's a whole other area of the law um, that, that covers that. So that could be an issue. And there's also something called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which when you're dealing internationally, you have to be very careful because in some cultures, you know, they might not look like bribes, but gifts or so on um, are common. Um, and you have to be really careful to stay on the right side of, of the law, especially, you know, U.S. law. This is fascinating. Uh, Hans, thanks very much for that first segment. We're going to come back in a minute, and we're going to talk about some client stories, tips, ideas, and precautions for our listeners. And we'll be right back after this moment. Business is risky. Sperling Law Corporation navigates the legal waters, helping businesses to avoid hidden hazards. Sperling Law is in the middle of the business ecosystem, helping its clients to thrive there. Sperling Law seeks to be businesses' everyday counsel, advising decision makers, getting deals done, managing legal issues, and reducing your legal risk. Sperling Law Corporation, advising business. Contact Hans Sperling at 213-236-3677. That's 213-236-3677. Hi, everybody. This is Spike Real for The Exit Coach. Business owners, can you name the eight key value drivers that you and your managers should be focusing on to increase the value of your business? Introducing the Sellability Score Index. Visit our website and answer 25 questions about your business, and you will instantly receive your Sellability Score, showing you how well you stack up in the eight value driver areas. It's a great management tool. It's absolutely free for our listeners. Just visit ExitCoachRadio.com and click Get My Sellability Score. Welcome back, friends. Just a reminder to, to hear highlights of this interview and to listen to all of the interviews and highlights of our many past guests. Please visit us online at ExitCoachRadio.com, where we upload new content every day. I'm talking with Hans Sperling of Sperling Law Corporation, who is a wealth of information for business owners that are wondering, what do I need to do to get my business ready and prepared from a legal standpoint? And maybe just a little questions that people have about uh, situations that they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, you're a great resource, it sounds like, for them, Hans. Um, tell us a, a client story or two uh, about someone that you've worked with. Give us, give our listeners an example of someone that came to you and, and you worked with them and what was the outcome? Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, I'll tell you something that happens all the time is that uh, a company is going to sell um, and they've not really been really careful about their legal issues. They, they've signed contractors. Maybe they've read them, but they haven't maybe negotiated the legal points. They negotiated the price and those kinds of things. Other legal issues, maybe their their board meetings, maybe they didn't hold every board meeting, maybe they don't have minutes for all of them. Um, and uh, 
you know, the buyer sees that. That's the first thing they do is look through all those documents to see what they're buying. And um, at very least, they're going to want them to be fixed to the extent they can be fixed at that point. But that's how they evaluate what it is they're buying and what risks they're buying. Because when they buy the company, they're buying the company's risks along with it. Um, and so what we do with that client, if I'm representing the seller, is, you know, go through before you have a buyer going through it. We go through it, clean it all up, get it in good shape. Um, that can save a deal because a buyer will kill a deal if, if they think there's too much risk or there's surprises. They get into it and there's a, there's a lot of surprises they weren't looking, for, looking at. So it's creating this, again, we talk about this a lot, but this transferable entity. Mm -hmm. And how transferable is your business right now? You need someone to be looking at all the legal documents that you have, structures and, and things like that. Because as you say, it's only a matter of time before their counsel is going to find it. Mm -hmm. So it's better to get it done. And the other thing is, are, are most buyers that are, I'm sorry, sellers that you work with, they still have to mind their own store during all of, while all this right. is going on, right? Right, which is another reason to um, to leave more time. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're going to create a lot of stress for yourself. And another important issue is, you know, uh, transitioning. It's not that common to sell a business. One day you take the money, give them the business, and leave. A lot of times they want you to stay on for a while to to kind of teach them the business, hand over your contacts. Um, or maybe you're selling it to a family member or to one of your managers or something like that. And there's going to be maybe a year, I've seen as many as three years, where you're still involved. Obviously, you're kind of less time, you know, less, less of your energy that has to go into it. But you want to think about that when you're planning it out, too. There's all kinds of situations that can come up there. For instance, you might have key employees that you want to assure, or even family members you want to assure they're going to have a job after the transition and need to negotiate those. The, the bottom line here is there's a lot of things to think about. And uh, they need someone like yourself to say, hey, uh, this, we don't have to take this contract as is or this, this deal as is. We need to think about this particular situation and maybe tweak this or tweak that and, and get you something that works for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Every deal is different. You know, we tend to think of contracts as being forms because most of the ones you see in everyday life are just forms and you sign them or you don't. But actually, um, especially a big deal like this, um, they're negotiable to whatever extent you can negotiate them. And even, you know, not looking at it as, a, as an argument with the other side, but as you were just kind of alluding to, it needs to be specific to your deal. You don't want to have documents that describe a deal that's different from the one you have, because then if you ever have to go back and enforce the document, it says something other than what the reality was, and no one knows what you really meant. Um, it kind of negates the whole point of having a contract, which is to know what, you, what your deal is, right? Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I've also seen people, a guy recently who was concerned not only about family and so on, but also with um, his customers. He wanted to make sure that the people buying his products, um, you know, had a continuous supply because they need it for their business. Well, when you're when you're working with, uh, do you have any other client stories, by the way? Do you have another one that you can share with us of someone that's come in uh, that's maybe a service-oriented or smaller business or, or something along those lines? Hmm. Um, you know, I can I can think of a guy right now um, has a small business and um, went into it with another partner. So there was originally two. This is also very common. A couple years go by and um, the other partner just isn't doing that much and maybe really isn't that interested. It just kind of shakes out that way sometimes, a lot of times. Um, and you want to get that person out so that that person isn't exposed to risk from the business, so that you don't have this person who might 
not be participating, but who has votes, who could come in one day and say, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with what you've been doing, even though I haven't, you know, been, been being involved. Um, so then there's a negotiation process, and then there's a process of, uh, of doing the deal, the really kind of legal, technical stuff, negotiating that, and, and getting the guy out. And um, those are the kind of situations that could be argumentative, could be unpleasant, but they don't always need to be. They can go quite smoothly. Okay. Uh, in those kind of situations, can you help business owners negotiate out, uh, a partner out, if, the, if they're not pulling their weight and they feel like, you know, for this to continue? Because I think we see a lot of situations uh, where maybe there's an older partner and a younger partner, and the older one's ready to retire and the younger one wants to continue, their timelines don't match up for yeah. selling the business. Mm -hmm. And it, obviously one of the most difficult things to do is to buy someone out with the cash flow of a business. Mm -hmm. So do you get involved in those kind of discussions and negotiations as well? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, sometimes they've worked it out if they have a good relationship on their own and then they just need the, the legal work done. But um, sometimes uh, you know, you get involved a little bit earlier. But absolutely, that's exactly the kind of, if you want to call it technical problems, you know, sort of solving the timeline problem that um, that I would do. And that, frankly, I think uh, any good corporate lawyer should be doing. People think of lawyers as, you know, fighting all the time. Um, but I think in, in these kinds of contexts, we should be problem solvers. Your lawyer should be a problem solver. Who else Who else is important to have on the on the advisor team for mm -hmm. business owners in your mind? Yeah, absolutely an accountant. Um, you may have your own accountant or sometimes use an outside accountant, but um, that's that's really critical. It's a good idea to have someone uh, maybe who, uh, just like lawyer, has some exposure to these transactions. If it's international, even more so. And then there's going to be special tax issues, regular accounting issue, tax issues. Um, so that's very important. Sometimes you're going to have some kind of advisor like an investment bank or something like that, business broker who um, helps you sell the business, you know, on the business side. Um, sometimes not. Sometimes people find a buyer um, on their own. We're going to take another short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about those tips, ideas, and precautions for business owners with Hans Sperling. We'll be right back. At ExitCoachRadio.com, we're interviewing over 100 top advisors to get you one-minute tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new content daily at 6 a.m. and 1 p.m. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Welcome back, friends. We're talking with Hans Sperling of Sperling Law Corporation. And Hans, one of the cornerstones of a uh, business agreement uh, is certainly the buy-sell agreement between business owners and shareholders. It's what holds basically all the glue together. Uh, one of my questions for you is, in, an, in LLCs, which have become a very popular type of a business entity, do members of LLCs need uh, buy-sell agreements outside of what's in their, their operating document, in your mind? Generally, yes. 
Um, a lot of times the provisions in the operating agreement are not that detailed. Um, and they were also written before they knew what the deal was and they know the specifics of what they're doing. Um, but sometimes, uh, depending on the situation, the buy-sell agreement might be relatively simple. There might be just a buy-sell agreement. More complicated um, situations, maybe more detailed buy-sell. Um, oftentimes, there's a lot of other little documents that um, I can't really list them because every situation is different. But mm -hmm. whatever little wrinkles and quirks of that particular deal um, are taken care of then. Yeah. What are some of the uh, common short falls or shortcomings of some of the documents that you see as an example that you'd say, boy, I've seen this before. Here we go again. Yeah. Uh, um, there's a few things. I mean, in terms of uh, the existing documentation of the company, a lot of times there are maybe contracts where um, they've signed representations and warranties that actually are not you know, they, they can't actually live up to. When they negotiated the deal, they looked at the price, they looked at the things that affect them operationally. When do I have to deliver? When do I have to do this? Um, maybe they didn't hire a lawyer or they didn't have enough time and they just didn't get into those details. Or maybe they didn't know they could negotiate them. Maybe they thought this is a take it or leave it. Maybe it was take it or leave it. In fairness to them, maybe they had to. Um, so um, that's very common. And um, sometimes that can't really be fixed because you can't necessarily go to the other side and expect them to you know, adjust the contract to make it worse for them after, you know, years. Um, but still, you can let the buyer know that, prospective buyer know those things up front. Um, and that might be kind of counterintuitive, but it makes them feel, uh, gives them a level of comfort. Any, any business you buy has, you know, there's something wrong with it. It's like, a, you know, a car or a house. It's, they're never perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so they know up front and they can deal with them and make whatever adjustments um, uh, need to be made. Okay. Well, it seems like there's always going to be something that they need to talk to you or someone like you about. Mm -hmm. And um, there's always going to be uh, a need to get on that before they're really into a negotiation phase with the buyer. Like you say, at that point, you're, you're busy. You're still busy with your business. You're trying to sell it. You're hoping to sell it. Uh, they're looking for why should we not sell it or what should we negotiate back for. So going in with a game plan is real important. Along those lines, what are some tips or ideas or precautions that you could share with our listeners about how they should start now to prepare or get ready for these types of things? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the first and best thing that you can do is have what I'll call a general counsel, you know, just your regular business lawyer. It's not necessarily, in fact, it's usually not the same person that's handling a lawsuit for you because it's a different area of the law. Um, you know, bigger companies will have someone full-time. Huge companies might have 50 people full-time. But, um, but, you know, you can have, you don't have to have a whole lawyer. You can, you know, have someone a few hours a month or something taking care of all those legal issues so that it's, again, to make the comparison to a car, it's like doing your scheduled maintenance on the car and keeping your DMV stuff up to date or whatever. Um, so you go to sell it, everything's pretty much in good shape. Not a lot to fix. Um, that's really, really good. And not only for selling, but that helps you avoid other problems, help you avoid lawsuits, help you avoid, you know, disputes with, uh, with a vendor, with your customers along the way that can hurt you. Um, but it makes it really nice when you get to the end um, to sell and things are in pretty good shape, reduces your stress level. Um, so that's great if you can do that. Um, another thing I would say is, um, and we kind of alluded to this before, but um, 
plan to put some some time and energy to it you know uh, leave time know that it's going to be a process you're going to have to find a buyer you're going to have to sit and think about you know what you want the sale to look like um, what you want your transition to look like um, sometimes you might want to just take time and think about those things talk to your lawyer um, you know find out what the issues are and then have time to think about it make good decisions because they might be some of the most important decisions that uh, that you make so um, leave the time don't don't create more stress than you know don't make more stressful than it needs to be mm -hmm. um, and I guess the only other thing I would say is I think that your lawyer this kind of lawyer your corporate your business lawyer should should be in a way your business's best friend that kind of knows your business pretty intimately knows what what its concerns are knows what its weaknesses are and its strengths are especially legally and the legal environment it operates in um, so that it can it can be more it can be more helpful um, and you should I think feel that that you know this lawyer is our business's friend if, if they feel like you're, they're your business's you know adversary or you know enemy um, you know Maybe it's better to get someone who you're you're comfortable with to do these really important transactions. I can imagine. I, I talk to a lot of business owners that are uh, almost afraid to call their attorney because they know it's going to be. Uh, maybe they don't have the relationship with them. I think that mm -hmm. might be what it boils down to: is yeah. they just don't feel like they have a personal relationship. It's just cut and dry, and I get a, a large bill for it. Right. right. And you, what you're saying is, your lawyer, your attorney, should be. Uh, your best friend as far as knowing all about what's going on because someday we're going to have to either transfer this business or protect it or in some way uh, we're going we're gonna to be in a, in a transitionary or negotiating situation and the better prepared we are for that the smoother it's going to go and the less it'll cost you in the long run so a lot of people think well if I don't call my attorney I'll save some money but in fact they're, they're, it's like the old Mr. Goodwrench commercial. <laughs> yeah. Pay me now or pay me later, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, you know, it, it seems expensive. Um, you get one good lawsuit against you, and, and all of that legal work up front that you could have done but didn't starts to look really, really cheap, you know. The other thing is that, um, I mean, lawyers probably like everyone else, you know, we, we want to be paid for our work. But, um, but your lawyer should kind of be working with you and make it something that uh, that you can afford, or at least you know you try to and and, and uh, uh, do something that's good for everybody. Uh, because otherwise, you create that apprehension in people, and they just don't call a lawyer. It's uh, you know until it's sort of too late, and then you can't fix all the problems. It's more expensive, uh, which is just kind of a pity that that dynamic takes place. Because it's really a lot better. Um, you know to work together up front one thing I would say as far as that fear of fees is you know talk about it with the lawyer right away you know they should be willing to talk about it with you it shouldn't be such a huge shock at the end you know sometimes there is a little sticker shock people don't realize how much it costs but that can be avoided well you're always going to have the situations that you were unforeseen and and right. you probably should right. have planned for and now they're there and uh, it's an emergency situation and those are going to be the expensive things but is there a budget or a, a, an amount that a business owner might think about you know I should budget X dollars to be preventative with my attorney uh, and go in and get these things done uh, do you have any any thoughts on mm -hmm. anything like that yeah um, 
it's very difficult to give just a number because every business is different and has different a le different legal environment, different number of deals that it does. If every deal you do is the same, then each one doesn't take that much legal work. Maybe it doesn't really take much of any. If everyone is very specific and uh, unique, then I mean, if each one needs a lawyer to do it. Um, what I try to do, I have um, an arrangement that I do sometimes where we try to predict what legal work a company is going to need for a, a year, typically, um, with everything, and then break it into months and turn it into a kind of a monthly payment thing. Very predictable. As long as nothing big comes up, they don't you know get sued or have a huge um, fight or something like that. Um, instead of you know going through a deal or going through a process, not realizing how much time they've they've been using of their lawyer and then they get a, a big bill try to um to help uh reduce their legal fee risk if you will as well mm -hmm. yeah because it seems like if uh, one scary thing about a legal audit would be oh my gosh i wonder what they're what all we're going to find mm -hmm. um so leading up to that's why again a, another reason for spreading out your planning right. your pre-planning for for being ready for sale uh, which is a lot of what we talk about is get your business ready for sale and transferable mm -hmm. spread out your pre-planning so that you're not getting hit with everything all at once because it can be really expensive it might be your your legal audit might come up with well there's there's six things that we need to fix over the next couple years mm -hmm. uh, instead of doing it all at once let's prioritize and, and attack those one at a time and budget for that mm -hmm. and it makes it a lot easier to to right. get prepared. And that's also, in effect, what you're doing is you're taking that big cost that you could have been hit with at the end and spreading it over time, which is always easier, you know, to pay. Um, so that can be very helpful. Uh, absolutely. Well, in, in our typical exit plan exercise that we put people through, there's generally 15 to 20 tasks or strategies that need to be done and a large number of them are done by the legal team yeah, right. ultimately mm -hmm. so it's better to know what all those are and then be able to prioritize and spread those out and then you can work with someone like yourself to create a, a, a workable scenario mm -hmm. rather than <laughs> all at once uh, the buyers are coming back to you saying there's 10 things that need to be fixed and you're again what most sellers don't realize is they're still trying to run their business it's it's not less hectic at that point right. there's just more going on and, and there's a lot riding on the outcome of that well this has been very interesting um, how do people uh, get in touch with you and your law firm and uh, tell us a little bit about what they what they'll find out when they when they get to your website sure so my website is www.sperlinglawcorp at least it's in corporation, SperlingLawCorp.com. And uh, if you go there, you'll get a little information about different kinds of um, business deals that uh, we do, you know, categories of business deals. Um, and uh, uh, you can kind of see there, you know, say, okay, those are the kind of deals that we do, and, you know, do they do them or do they do that general category? Um, and then you can, um, you can email me there. There's a place for sending emails, or you can call um, 213 two three six three six seven seven um, or email me at Hans H-A-N-S dot Sperling S-P-E-R-L-I-N-G at SperlingLawCorp dot com now if someone were to call you and say Hans I heard you on the show and I've I've got a situation or I want to talk through some things with you uh, what kind of offer do you make to to people when they first call in do you offer mm -hmm. them any type of consultation or yeah yeah absolutely I usually try to sit down with them once 
not worrying about fees, not worrying about, you know, they're going to run up a big bill for one meeting, to get an idea, first, if I can help them, it might be something highly specialized that's not what I do, or that, you know, there might be someone for whatever reason, maybe they're in a really specific industry that you want some that has a special regulatory scheme, and they really need someone who just does that all the time, whatever. Um, sort that out, can I help them, try to get a sense for how big a project it is, um, try to see what kind of arrangement we can make to work together that works for everyone um, without having to worry uh, about uh, about running up big fees for that. So yeah, I would consider that normal to do that. Yeah. And you and I both have a huge resource in that we both belong to a group called Provisors, right. which has a tremendous number of other legal, tax, uh, financial, all types of professionals in there. So you have a great resource there as far as being able to say, look, I can't help you, but I know some people that can help you. So uh, get in touch anyways, and let's see, let's let's talk through it. Exactly. Provisors is a great organization for that. And uh, I also, just as a matter of course, try to keep up contacts with other kinds of professionals and people um, that I can refer people to, that I can pull in on a deal. Um, to help you um, work through your problem, your issue. Well, I really appreciate you coming in, Hans. It's been a pleasure, sure. Thank and you. Uh, we're we're going to have your interviews back up on the on the website very quickly. Great. I've been talking with Hans Sperling of Sperling Law Corporation, and we'll be right back after this moment. At ExitCoachRadio.com, we're interviewing over 100 top advisors to get you one-minute tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new content daily at 6 a.m. and 1 p.m. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 